Good morning. You guys awake? There we go. Just checking. It's just kind of quiet. I was like, is anybody out there as I'm walking out? Um, Man, good morning. So glad to see you guys. If you're new, uh, Whitewater is a place you can belong before you believe, which means you don't have to believe exactly what I do or or, uh, people who have come here to Whitewater for a while. Um, You can just build relationships and explore faith at your own pace. Um, We're in this series on wisdom, wisdom and how to find it. And wisdom is this, um, it's this biblical concept. It's a reality in the world that the, the, the way the Bible describes it as this um, it really is the skill in godly living. It's the skill in godly living. Like, you're not really wise if you just know stuff. You can be super smart, but really unwise in your decisions and your actions. Um, wisdom is taking information and turning it into wise application. Doing the right thing at the right uh, time in the right way. Does that make sense? That's wisdom. And the way the Bible talks about it, it's like really connecting the head to the heart and hands. Connecting the head to, the, to your life. Um, and when we're looking at wisdom, the goal of wisdom is to really humble yourself before the Lord and learn in every way, shape, and form. Learn uh, what God would want to teach you. And people who are wise are usually are lifelong learners. They don't claim to be wise. They're always trying to learn. They can learn from anybody. You guys have a lifelong learner in your life? They're, they're willing to learn from anybody. They're even willing to learn from you. you have anybody like that in your life? That's an important um, quality in someone. In, um, in Proverbs 1, it says this in verse 5. It says, um, let those with understanding receive guidance, receive guidance for their life, receive direction for their life, receive wisdom for their life by exploring the meaning of these Proverbs and parables. And a lot of times wisdom is handed down through Proverbs, wise sayings or parables, stories that have meaning within them. And was anybody here last week for the parable we told that you were supposed to figure out? Yes, a few people. Okay, there were some people that came up to me and were like, I know I should have, because I told this story and uh, I'll tell it in a second, but they were like, oh man, I, I know what it is, um, but I didn't want to write it to you. I just wanted to tell it to you. You, don't, you know, if I won or anything like that, you don't have to give me a prize. But I would take the prize. I just had all these people come up. But I had people give some great answers for this. The story I told was this. It's an ancient Indian par- uh, parable. There were three princes that walked deep into the jungle. And while they were walking together, the first one uh, noticed something on the ground, stooped down, and he picked up a fang. A piece of tooth. Fang. Put it in his pocket. Kept walking. And as they were walking... The second one noticed something on the ground, and he stooped down, and he picked up a piece of fur, put it in his cloak, and kept walking. The third one, as they were walking deeper and deeper into the jungle, he noticed something, and, and, and he picked it up, and it was a claw, put it in his pocket, and kept walking. Well, soon enough, as they were going deeper into the jungle, they came across an old beggar, and they, and they looked at him with some contempt, because he couldn't offer them nothing, didn't have much of anything, and they were princes, after all. Um, but the beggar wouldn't be dismissed. And he said, I do have something. I have a box that can bring life to things that are brought, that are put into it. And so the princes, knowing that they could and, and they, ha- they felt they had the right to, they just, without asking or any permission, ripped the box from the beggar. And then they took what they had in their pockets and they threw the fang, the fur, and the claw in. And all of a sudden there was movement in the box. And all of a sudden that fur turned to sinew, turned to muscle. And that thing turned to jaws. And the 
claw all of a sudden turned to a big paw. And all of a sudden a lion jumped out and ate the three princes, all three. You guys remember that? So what was the meaning behind that? I, um, every week I'm going to give you a parable at the end, and, and I want you guys to figure out and, and message me through Facebook or you know, personally or on our Whitewater Facebook, and let me know if you, if you think you know what the meaning is. We got some really good answers that came in, uh, but there was one answer that just kind of like took the cake for me, and it, um, and it was actually written, the answer to the parable I gave was written in a poem. Like This person's talented, Okay. This person's talented, and I'm not going to read the whole poem. I'm going to, maybe we'll post it on Facebook later this week, but I'm going to read the part where they, I think they got to the heart of this parable, and I, there's different layers to any story and any parable, but I think this is the heart of what we want to talk about. And here's what this person wrote. They said, the prince's fate sealed by their greed, clearly, clearly instructions they'd forgotten to read, for a box full of magic is not like an Ikea bed, read the directions or risk losing your head. Stupidity delivered is hard to take back, especially if, you're in a, if you are a lion's main snack. Isn't that good? Like, that's pretty talented. And uh, this winner, I thought, really nailed it. Uh, the, the heart of this parable that, that I want to discuss is the, is the reality that um, when we... It's a warning. Be careful what you create, because that sucker can turn on you. Be careful what you create, because what you create, what you and I create, what people create sometimes, can turn and destroy our lives. Um, now, I, need to, I want to give an award, because I want to make sure that we're giving well, an award, a, a prize to the, the winner. Uh, but they wanted to remain anonymous, and they asked if we could give uh, the prize to some children's workers who work with kids. In our, in our church. And so we decided, okay, we're going to give uh, coffee cards to every single children's worker that helps serve at Whitewater. So if you're a children's worker, you get, I think it's a Starbucks card. So thank you guys for all you do. And uh, you can give them a hand and the winner a hand. I appreciate that. I thought that was cool. Um, and if you want to sign up for children's and get a coffee card, you can sign up and do that. So what I want to talk to you guys about today, last week was really the wisdom of community, not doing 2018 alone. This week, what I want to talk to you guys specifically about is the lion of technology. How do we live wisely with the lion of technology? What do I mean by that? Well, uh, a lion isn't necessarily evil, but it's always hungry. Technology isn't always necessarily evil, but it's always hungry. Can I get an Amen. This is true. And um, like in the story, we, we live in a world, we live in a technological age. I mean, we have tech everywhere. Engines are running everything. There's screens on everything. I mean, we're given orders on screens and engines and uh, everything's motorized and automated. And we live in a technological world. And we, we have a world where people have created technology to, for ease of life and to do things and things that we could never have imagined years ago. And it's just, it's continuing to grow at a rapid pace uh, so fast that sometimes it's hard to keep up with it like knowledge wise it's hard to keep up with it ethically like how do you handle this stuff wisely and well and and so i think tech technology is like those pieces like the the fur and the fang and the and the claw that like we've taken natural resources and and sometimes actually 
quite often countries and groups that have money and they have the ability, they'll take from someone like the beggar, they'll take from someone who has less or a country who has less and, and, and create something. But oftentimes, without thinking about the consequences, without thinking about the results, and, and a lion isn't necessarily evil, but it's always hungry. And we can create things that start to turn on us and destroy our own lives. And technology is one of those things we need to be wise with. Are you guys with me? Okay, so the, uh, here, here's, I'm going to go through four things with you guys, and I want to keep it really basic as, as, we, as we go through this. But how do we live wisely with the lion of technology so that we don't get eaten? So the, the, the first thing I want to talk about is don't let the lion eat your whole life. Don't let the lion of technology eat your whole life. Uh, uh, technology has addictive qualities. It's got, just like anything, it has good qualities, has bad, bad qualities. Um, some of the hard qualities, I have a friend who's writing a book. His name's Daniel C. And if you, uh, you probably don't know him. Uh, he's, a, he's a really good dude. He lives down in uh, Tasmania. It's not in America, just so you know. Um, but he writes this. Here's some things on the darker shadow side of technology in general. And, and we're going to, for our purposes, we're also going to focus primarily on like personal devices, social media, because we could talk about a lot of things with, um, with technology, but I want to zero in real practically. So the first thing uh, that, one of the things he wrote um, I th- that I thought was really good and, and uh, true is social media decreases happiness by creating the impression that everyone is happy. Think about that. Social media decreases happiness by creating the impression that everybody's happy. Everything's great. I got to be like that person because they got their life together. Number two was social media takes time from activities that increase happiness, face-to-face relationships, exercise, uh, spiritual growth, learning and reading books, like just things that are, that are good for our development as humans. Uh, social media can actually begin to consume that time for those things and actually make us less happy. Uh, number three is social media is reducing sleep in our world, which reduces mental resilience and happiness. My wife is the mother of a five-month-old and a four-year-old, and she's back at work full-time, and the baby wakes us both up, but who does he want most? Mama. And I'm telling you, don't try to get between Sarah and her sleep and Sarah and her boy. Those are two things. And, like, and she, lo- she loves sleep, and it's like so hard to get. We live in an age where people are getting less and less sleep. They're having less and less resilience, patience, and focus because we're giving so more and more and more and more time. We're exchanging FaceTime with people for screen time. Now, I'm not, I'm not here to say that like, there's all these evils of technology. There are good things in, in, with, with technology. I mean, some of you guys have found Whitewater because you saw like, us on the website or you had a friend mention us on Facebook. There are good things that come from technology. We can communicate really quickly together. Education, knowledge can be transferred across the world. I mean, it's, it, like, there's, there are good things that come from technology. Memes. <laughs> I mean, what would the world be like if we didn't have memes? Um, Power-packed statements that people like to put on things. Um, I had a friend, we were talking on FaceTime with a group of people about technology and just the impact on our world, and, and, and he was really you know, emphasizing the negative shadow side, and it's horrible here, and it's horrible here, and he had some really good points, and at the end it was kind of like this dark cloud, and everyone's kind of like, oh man, that was heavy, and then they were like, Somebody was like, well, is there anything good from technology? And he's like, man, I'm trying to think. I just can't. 
I, I really am having a hard time thinking of anything really positive coming from technology as he's talking to us on FaceTime, which was awesome. And someone was like, what about FaceTime? And he was like, he just didn't want to admit it, but he was like, maybe. <laughs> maybe. And um, so there's, there are very good things. The key is knowing that, look at the, the lion isn't necessarily evil, necessarily, but it's always hungry. So the first, if you have your notes, write this down. Don't let the lion eat your whole life. Social media, devices, um, technology like that with, uh, is, is addictive. Um, if you grab the phone, the first thing you do when you wake up is grab the phone and look at it when you wake up. I've been reading this stuff. I'm not, I'm not just trying to judge you. You might be addicted. If that's like the go-to. If you go to, if you go to bed and the last thing you look, like, you look at is a phone, there's a possibility that there's an addiction. Maybe that's just like a rhythm in your life, that, that kind of thing, and you can stop it really easily. But maybe it's possible that there's a little bit of an, a, a technology addiction there. Um, if you place the uh, phone, like a smartphone, between you and somebody you're having lunch with or you're talking with, and because you, you've got to keep up with what's coming, with the text and with the life and with the, all, everything happening... There might be an addiction. I see people that are like, ooh, this hurts. And like, I'm totally not. This is just stuff I'm learning. And as I was reading this, I'm like, maybe I'm addicted to my phone. Um, so I, like, as I'm reading and I'm talking about this stuff, like this is to myself as much as anybody. And what I want to encourage us to is toward wisdom. This isn't to like condemn or say we should never use technology and we just need to be churning butter and stuff like that. That's not what I'm saying. Because at one point, churning butter was a new technology that they had to learn. So, I mean, it was, there's good things. Um, but I want us to be wise. I want us to be wise. Uh, Simon, uh, Simon Sinek talks about this idea of, of texting and tweeting uh, and, and seeing likes on our, on our feeds that makes us feel good because there's this thing called dopamine that makes us feel good. He, he, he says this. This is a quote from Simon Sinek, an author, a speaker that you might know Dopamine is the exact same chemical that makes us feel good when we smoke, when we drink, and when we gamble. In other words, it's, it's highly, highly addictive. We have age restrictions on smoking, drinking, and gambling. We have restrictions on all those things. We have no age restrictions on social media and cell phones, which is the equivalent of opening up the liquor cabinet and saying to our teenagers, hey, by the way, if adolescence is getting you down, help yourself. I was like, really? That seems a little harsh, a little black and white. Like, you know, technology can't be that bad. You know, my, my daughter, my, my in-laws gave her this really cool Kindle. She loves it, but, you know, it's just not that bad. And then this morning, I forget exactly. I was like, I think I needed to take it to look at it. I don't think she had to ask permission or something. And then she transformed <laughs> it was like <sighs> precious you know she was just like <sighs> and i was like whoa i was like sarah it's happening again because we've seen a little bit of this she's like is she the monster i was like yes you know and and we've got like we've got good things on that like learning puzzles and logic and you know stuff for kids to learn on these apps and and there's like some shows that she watches and watches but like man if that thing gets threatened she i mean she went around stomping the other day that was mine you had no right to take it from a four-year-old that was all mine like and we're just like whoa 
The monster came out. I was like, can you believe what's happening to our daughter? She's like addicted to that thing. And then Sarah like grabbed my phone. She said, really? And I said, you give me that phone. (laughs) (laughs) Give it now. But there can be this addictive quality to our technology, to our social media. Matthew 6, 24 says this, because we don't want to have our whole life eaten by the lion. Um, it says, No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I think today's world, you could also say you cannot serve both God and technology. You cannot serve both God and all the craziness that is drawing us onto the worldwide interweb or onto your Facebook or your Instagram, uh, your Twitter, whatever it is, your ESPN app. I don't know. Does anybody, anybody have a cell phone in here? Just check in. <laughs> this one guy, one of the band members, he, he was walking off stage. He was like, hey, that was an amazing sermon. He was like, I was live tweeting it the whole time. I was like, Duh! Ah! That was pretty funny. But like, does anybody have struggles like this? Where it's like, man, and you just find it in your hand, you're looking at this and you're just... There's so much time that can begin going to this. We can't serve technology and God. Like we have to choose. And that can sound really weird, but when you look at the amounts of time that are going up in our culture, there's more time that is going to screen time and less in face time. There's more screen time happening than exercise, than like reading and learning a new skill, there's, uh, than, than family relationships. It's going up and up and up. And what I want to say is we need to be wise when I want to submit to you guys is that we need to be able to set boundaries where we need to set boundaries. Where there needs to be freedom, there needs to be freedom. But boundaries are something that we need to set for ourselves and our kids. Some people have the approach with like kids as parents. Like, you know, like they, they'll figure it out and I just want to trust them and they need to make this decision. And that's just to me so unwise. Like you wouldn't do that with like a cigarette and be like, here's a cigarette, little five-year-old. Hope, that, hope you figure out how this works and, and use it safely. You want to hand him a beer and be like, hey, I hope you figure this out. You want to hand him a, hand him a, a, a nail gun and be like, okay, be, you know, be as safe as you can be and be really wise with that. No, what, don't we put boundaries around that stuff and laws around that stuff? Because we know that sometimes at different ages, we can't handle that. And sometimes we as adults, if we're honest, there are certain things in our life that we either need to put a boundary for a season or a boundary for maybe our whole life. Maybe like a certain kind of substance, a certain kind of drink we can't participate in because like, it's got my heart. It's got my gut. It's got my life. My life will be ruined by that. We have to recognize that. And so what I want to encourage us to have is wisdom. I want us to be encouraged to have wisdom with our kids. Um... I just think, I think that is so important or begins ruling our lives. And boundaries, just so you know, boundaries uh, are connected to our priorities. Boundaries really, they're not meant to keep you from freedom, keep you from having fun or doing what you want. Boundaries, when we set boundaries for ourselves and we help set them for our kids, what it does is it keeps us from abandoning our real priorities. Boundaries keep us from abandoning what is truly most important. And what what I'm really getting at here is what would our life look like 
if all the technology was taken from him. Because we begin, it's really easy to begin relying on um, social media and, and just basic smartphone tech and uh, our, our personal computers and whatever, what have you. We can start relying on that as our primary mode of building relationships. We can begin to use that as our primary way of building relationships with people and with God. But if you were to take your technology away, how would that impact your relationships? If you were to take all the technology away, how would that impact your relationship with God? Some people are like, I, it wouldn't impact it that much. Some of us, though, it's like, man, my relationship with God is so based on YouTubes and sweet quotes, you know, from great pastors or great spiritual gurus. And, you know, I, I look up spiritual things all the time on, on uh, you know, whatever your, your preference of social media. And I'm not saying that those are bad things unto themselves, but they can begin to consume. If it was taken away, what would your relationship look like with God? We were not designed to have a relationship through technology with God. We're not designed to primarily have a relationship with people through technology. We are designed to have like eyeball to eyeball, uh, authentic relationships. And when it's missing, you can tell. You can tell because there's brokenness, there's hurt. Like we don't know how to deal with conflict. We just don't know how to deal with the realities of life. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be provided for you. And look, there's exceptions to stuff, and there's reality. Like if technology aids and helps us have relationships with people and gives us the ability to to add to that relationship, that's wonderful. And if you're like an astronaut and you want to, and you're up in space and you need to talk with your family, like I'm not saying, well, you shouldn't use, you know, whatever FaceTime uh, device will help you connect with your family. If you're overseas, military or business, like I'm not saying it's bad to call on the phone, like, or have FaceTime together. That's really good. What I am saying is how sad is it if our primary communications, when you get home from space or from the, another country or from the supermarket, and your primary way of connecting with your family is like FaceTime or text or by phone, and you're in the same like, house. You're in the same room. Does that make sense? Some of you guys, man, that's being hard. Like, I, guys, I'm talking to myself here. Too. I'm, not, I'm, not really, I'm not trying to hammer anybody. I want us to live wise lives that are freed so that we can, we can build healthy relationships. That, that, in fact, um, what I want to challenge you, the rest of this 10, 12-minute sermon, what I want you to be thinking about is what are things that I can do to engage in technology more healthy, in more healthy ways? And what do I need to do to disengage a little bit so I can be healthier? What do I need to say? You know what? I need to stop doing, like, just stop getting on my account for, like, a week, maybe a month. I don't know what it is for you. I just need to do that so that I'm, I'm back in control. Like, I'm kind of going through a detox with my tech. Um, maybe it's on the engagement end. Like, how do I engage technology? Maybe it's like, I'm going to use my Facebook account, my Twitter account. I'm going to encourage two to three people a week. I'm just going to encourage them. That's, I want to use it in a positive way. I'm going to call my 
family member across the, you know, across the country. I'm going to do that once a week. That's a good engage. That's how we engage things well. This is, these are spiritual disciplines. I've, that, that I've learned from some great, the greatest spiritual leaders are, they are able to have spiritual disciplines in their life of engagement and disengagement, feasting and fasting. You ever been on a fast where you haven't eaten anything for a while? And you're just like angry all the time. No, I'm just kidding. Some people are like, no, I've never done that. Um, it's important. So when we're going through the rest of the sermon, I want you to think about that. What are, what are maybe one or two ways that you can engage in technology that helps you do it more healthy and disengage? And when you disengage, what do you replace it with? I'm not talking about like, I'm going to switch from Facebook to, ga- you know, fa- you know, to you know, gaming for the next uh, week. And, and, and then you're playing video games the rest of the week. I'm talking about replace it with things that are going to help you with relationships, quality time, eyeball to eyeball, face to face, voice to voice, soul to soul kind of things. So number two, don't let the lion eat your relationships. Screen time is replacing FaceTime. Matthew 22, 37 through 39 says this. He said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your who? Neighbor. Love your neighbor. Love people. Love God and love people. And don't love like God primarily. It doesn't say primarily through technology that you build. And love people through technology that you build. Love them. Have a direct relationship with them. Um, here, here are some of the issues that I see rising in some of social media and technology that are just to be aware of. Just to be aware of when we're building our relationships. Here's some things that can, that can happen. Uh, social media reduces happiness and increases loneliness the more you use it. Just the, all the stats are saying that. The more we're seeking connection through this connecting device, the more disconnected we feel. All the stats, all the research is pointing that direction. Um, and so it's something to keep in mind. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, social media. What can happen is, um, I was talking with a friend, uh, my friend named Sam, and he's a good guy, and I was like, man, how would you describe the world we live in with social media? And he just kind of thought for a second, and he was like, you know, we live in a world now because of that, that they're just curating their lives. Do you know what a curator is? Like at a museum? come up and say, hey, look at this exhibit. It's amazing. It'll give you all the information. And it looks beautiful because they've made it beautiful. You can't see anything behind it. You can't see the mess in the back room at the museum. You, just, you see this because it's curated. And the curator, curator will take you over here and say, now look at this. If you start looking in the back room, they're like, no, 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 no. Look here at the nice curated aspect of the museum and they'll give you the information and they'll let you see what you want to see and it's sparkly and shiny and everything looks perfect. And friends, we are living in a world that is increasingly um, living in a way where they are curating their life. They are, sh- they are creating uh, the picture, the perfection, the life that they want other people to see about them through technology. It's just another layer. Before we had social media, people were still curating their life to a certain extent like this is this is what i want people to see but on facebook on instagram on social media in general curation is happening and here's here's uh my fear is that when we're curating the life that we want people to see that we're not actually living the life that we were designed to live because what here's what happens like i 
man, I'm curating my life. So on my feet, I say, my job is amazing. I'm crushing it. Like things are going so, so well. And I need to, I need to make this clear. Not everyone, but I'm seeing an increased, we'll call it a hunch. I'm, what I think and what I'm seeing, what I'm feeling is that there are more and more people that the more perfect they make their life look on their feed, the more perfectly messed up their life is. My job's perfect. I'm crushing it. Everything's going well. It's shiny. It's great. And then over here, they're crushed and they're like they're going bankrupt they're dying their jo- they've lost their job and they're hiding it or they they it's it's going horrible my family is perfect my wife and i have the perfect relationship and we're beautiful and everything's wonderful and we're together and behind the scenes like like my spouse hates me right now like we can't even be in the same room together our, our, our marriage is in shambles. But over here, I need the world to see this. And my kids, my kids are amazing. They're super smart, like smarter than everybody's kids. And, you know, they, they, here's what they've done. Here's their accomplishments. And here's how great we are. And we're super close. And we have a great relationship. Everything's perfect. But then over here, like, I really, we'd have no relationship. My kids are addicted to this, this, and this. This is the struggle. Like, school is not even an option anymore. Like, all this stuff is going on, and they're curating a perf- perfect life that doesn't even really exist. Are you with me? And my fear is that this would be a trend rather than living authentically before people saying, I, you know, I don't have... I don't have to create this perfect world. Because that perfect world, when other people see it, they start getting jealous, saying, man, my world needs to be perfect. And so they start trying to emulate and saying, well, here's the cool things going on in my life. And like all of a sudden, we're not talking about anything real. There's no heart to heart. It's all passive uh, connection. People have to pretend that they don't know information about that person that they read on their feed because in, in real situations that might be awkward and so they have to pretend things. So this like weird passive relationships start forming and, and it's, it's so much easier to create a curated uh, life built on texts and digital. It's like this digital mirage. It looks really good, but it's fake. And here's my biggest fear is that we can start believing that um, if I can fool people and into believing that my life's perfect, then maybe I can fool God, or maybe I can I, I can I, I can have a spirituality that says if this looks good, then it's all good to Him. And really, that's no relationship with God. And that's what scares me. We are designed to have a relationship with the Creator of the universe, friends. Like he wants a relationship, like technology, like YouTube, learning, all that stuff's great. But that is not a relationship personally. Like how many of you guys want with your, like the person you are closest with, want them to just know about you through what you post or what they can learn on the internet versus know who you are inside out and accept you and be there with you. And be eyeball to eyeball. Stick with you through, through hardship. So I'm telling you, this world, 
the digital mirage, people come and go. The digital mirage, people will, will post things. I mean, I've, I've seen people even post things like, man, I love my mom and dad. I just want to thank them for how wonderful they've been. And their parents aren't even on that aspect of social media. They don't have Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. So who are you talking to? Who's that message really for? You? Friends? And I just want to call us back to living a wise life where we can have relationships with one another. We prioritize people. We're, we're not going to do the, just the passive thing. We start, we start putting habits and boundaries in our life. So like maybe the phone needs to be like somewhere else when we get home from work. Maybe the phone needs to be charging uh, in another room. I'm preaching to myself, guys. I am preaching to myself. Maybe it needs to be in another room uh, when it's time to sleep. So I don't wake up and just look at it immediately. Man, I kind of got going on that. Here's the last two points you can write down in your, on your notes. Don't let that lion eat your mind. Proverbs 14.8 says this, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. It's saying like, if you want to be a self-deceived person, don't think about where you're headed. Don't think about the way you think. Don't think about your decisions. Don't look back and look at the patterns of your life. But if you want to be wise, uh, uh, give thought to your ways. Give thoughts to the way you think. Think about what you think. And I, I mean, I could look at Novella with her Kindle, and I could be like, Novella, you need to think about the way you're thinking about that. And she'd kind of look at me like, huh? I'm telling you, as adults, we're not much different. Let's think about what we're, how we're approaching technology. Let's think about how we approach relationships and people. Where are we putting our energy? What is this doing to my soul? What is this doing to my relationships? What is this doing to my heart? What is this doing to my mind and the way I think and what I think about and what I worry about and where my anxieties are coming from and what is going on in my life? And if we're willing to confront that and say, God, show me, help me see this, help me to have a sober mind and be realistic, And all of a sudden, change can start happening. We can start making wise decisions about where we need boundaries or where we can can have freedom. We're doing well. And what's going well and what's not. Think about our thinking. And I say some of that, some of us are like, huh? Think about our thinking. Ask questions. Last one here is don't let the lion eat your heart. I'll finish with these few thoughts. It just is... Technology can capture and corrode our hearts. And it's not really, here's the thing, it's not really the technology. That's just like the means. But our heart has made that its master. You can only serve two masters. When we start serving that more than we serve God, when we start giving our time, talent, treasure, energy, life, away to these other things, it means that we have a heart issue. Our heart is grabbed onto that. And, and, and God teaches us here in Proverbs 4, 23, guard your hearts above all else. Guard your hearts. Guard your hearts, for it is the source of life. And the way we guard our hearts is focusing on Jesus, focusing on God, taking time to worship, building our relationships that matter Building our relationship with God so that we're close with Him and our focus and our, our love and our passion is, is focused on something higher. Technology isn't an evil thing unless we make it. But it's always hungry. 
What are we giving our hearts to? My friend Daniel, who's writing a book on technology, wrote this about loneliness. This is about how badly the human heart can be uh, captured through technology. He says, loneliness. 31% uh, more 8th and 10th graders felt lonely in 2015 uh, than in 2011. This is a monumental change in just four years. 31%. Depression. 56% of more teens experience a major depressive episode in 2015 than in 2010. 56%. Depression. Suicide. Teens who spend more than three hours a day on electronic devices are 35% more likely to have at least one suicide risk factor. That just breaks my heart. Technology is not, there is good and there is a shadow side. But we as humans have to recognize we have these hearts and we set them on things. And when we do, we have to ask, what is it doing to my soul? Guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. Guard your kids' hearts. Be wise so they can have healthy relationships and learn how to deal with conflict. Healthy relationships don't mean there's no conflict. But it's working through things and learning how to communicate, learning how to love. Don't let the lion eat your heart. Um, I want to encourage you as you learn to engage with technology to think about it. How can I engage with it in healthy ways? Encourage people, love people, connect with people, but not make it the primary thing. And then if you need to disengage, where do you need to disengage? Whether it's for a season or for maybe a more permanent thing what what does that need to look like so that you can love the people that god has put in front of you so you can be present in the moment so that you uh, aren't, aren't aren't buying into something that's making you sadder and sadder buying into something that's making you less and less connected and 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 feel worse about life as you're trying to feel more connected as you're trying to feel happier because technology makes promises that it can't deliver the the, the only one that can deliver on on true connectedness and the eternal things of the soul is god so don't go looking for the things only god can answer and give in places that don't have god that aren't god don't take a good thing and turn it into a God thing. Keep God as God. That's what I had for you guys today. I love you so much. And uh, I think I need to tell you a little parable before I go, right? All right, here it is. You guys ready? So there was a young man who was ambitious, very ambitious man. And he uh, started a new job. And he had a wise counselor friend that he would talk to. And he went to the wise counselor advisor and and began talking with him, and the advisor asked him, so what are you going to do now that you got this job? And he said, well, now I'm going to work like crazy. I'm going to work more hours than, than any of the people at the same level because I'm at the bottom, but I'm going to work my way up. I'm going to work toward the top. He's like, I'm going to outwork people, outtime people, and he's like, I'm going to make it. And then what? Well, then I'm going to become a manager. Okay, how are you going to become a manager? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, even if I have to push past the manager, I'm going to try, even if I have to push people all the way, I'll become one. And then the advisor asked, and then what? So, well, I guess I want to be an exec, and so I'm, I'm just going to continue working hard. I'm going to outwork everybody, outcompete everybody, and if I need to push some people out of the way so I can take their exec job, I'm going to figure out how to do it. Okay, well, and then what? Well, you know, if I, my, my biggest goal is I want to be the CEO. I want to run the thing. And so I'm going to work harder. I'm going to, even if I have to cut some corners, like I'm going to get there. 
Like failure is not an option. I'm going to become the CEO by doing all those things. An advisor asks him, after that, what? And the young man thought for a moment. He says, well, after that, I guess I'll have fun with my friends and family and, and enjoy life. And the advisor asked one more question. He said, um, why can't you enjoy your friends and family? Why can't you have fun with them and enjoy life now? And the young, ambitious man sat there alone. That's the parable. So let me know what you think, and we'll see if we have a, a prize for someone next week. We love you guys. Let me pray. Father God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for you. Lord, would you help us pursue you with all of our hearts? We thank you for what you give us, Lord. We thank you for the technology that allows us to drive to where We thank you for the things that enable our church and the lights that come on and all these great things. But Lord, we know that, that nothing we create is ever greater than you. All those things are gifts, but you are the true gift giver. And we worship you and we love you. I pray that you would encourage people who are here today. Lift them up and give us wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.